I'd like to call to order this secret conclave of America's media empires. We're here to come up with the next phony baloney crisis to put Americans back where they belong in dark rooms glued to their televisions too terrified to skip the commercials. Well, I think... NBC, you are here to listen and not speak. I think we should go with a good old-fashioned public health care. Yeah. A new disease. No one's immune. It's like the summer of the shark, except instead of a shark, it's an epidemic. And instead of summer, it's all the time. That is Now, I hate to be the guy who derails what everybody else loves. He loves being that guy. But, Janice, we do have standards. This can't be a made-up disease. The only moral thing to do is release a deadly virus into the general public. We do have something we've been holding on to, but it hasn't been tested. Get over here, NBC. Uh, well, well, we certainly believe in testing, but I... Oh, oh. Wow. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So, we've got our deadly disease. Now, we just have to blame it on something that's in every household, something that people are a little bit afraid of already. House cat flu is coming, people. The Center for Disease Disinformation predicts with some degree of probability that the house cat flu might spread in the following hypothetical outbreak pattern. So better beware, that warm body on your lap just might be ready to destroy your tender fiddles. To the Nightfly, March edition, 2020. Coming out Tuesday, March 9th, right? Which is the uh, the day of my... No, yes, coming out Tuesday, March 9th, which means yesterday would have been my show at the Comedy Cellar, which you missed. If you haven't been paying attention. And uh, well, let's just say it was a great show. <laughs> let's just assume I'm taping this the day before. Uh, the show, but uh, uh, but you can still see the big Thursday show, which uh, I'll explain in a minute. Let's just get back to action, and we know what, let's just. Uh, I hope everybody's doing good. We took a week off in the sense of uh, we had uh, Richard Klein on the podcast. That was last week. We didn't take a week off, but did a lovely podcast with the great Richard Klein, who was such a terrific guest. Did I lie? Wasn't he just such a nice guy? He's terrific. It's amazing. We finally got Larry from Three's Company on the podcast. That is what this podcast was made for. That is why I started the podcast to get a guest like Larry. People say, wouldn't you want Barack Obama or something? Because, you know, Sarah is I'm like, no, my perfect guest is Larry from Three's Company, and everyone knows it. And so that is quality. That's, 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 that's a quality H2O. So, but uh, yeah, he was so much fun and so cool, and um, you know, what are you gonna do, right? Super fun times, the comedy cellar. Got more guests like that lined up. You know what I'm talking about, but you know how we like to do it. You know, people like when I do the podcast solo, so it's usually one on, one off. You know, it's like Springsteen said. You know, yeah, you make money doing concert, but then you got to do one for the other guy. You know, the charity ones. 
and all my podcasts are charity ones, so <laughs> I'm really doing one for really just myself. Uh, that Springsteen's a real troublemaker. He's got a lot of ideas, and I don't know how to feel about it. Meanwhile, yeah, the coronavirus, right? Do I have it because my throat is sore? No. I uh, certainly get nervous that I have it, like everyone. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, I really think the panic is ridiculous, as the Simpsons predicted it was many years ago. But, um, you know, it's a flu. It's a bad form of the flu. I don't usually catch the flu, so I'm okay. Now, my throat is uh, sort of big. I, it's not sore at all, actually. I just I have bad acid reflux, and I've been drinking. And I will explain all of this to you right now. So we've been off for two weeks, and whenever I say, um, oh, God, so much has happened, I just feel like it's a, um, a Christopher Guest movie where they always do the you know six months to one year later. You know, so much has happened since uh, whatever... Things have been really going well. We've got some gigs here working like at the casinos. And it has been a time of, of changes, but uh, change is good. Change is life. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like a, a, a great big door opening for me, uh, Town Hall. After, after that concert, I realized I want to spend as much of the rest of my life as possible playing folk music with these gentlemen. Right back at you. And I want to spend all of it as a woman. The Great Harry Shear um, from A Mighty Wind. And, of course, I mean, you can really just go through any of the movies here's best in show. Dog and, and maybe one of these in here. Oh, my gosh, it's been a year. <laughs> so much has happened. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, we didn't win at Mayflower, Mm-mm. which is uh, surreal and um, was extremely disturbing. And it was so not right. It was devastating. But the silver lining of this cloud, of course, is that... You know, it brought us to a new level in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we got to open up this, this, these offices and publish this magazine here. Mm-hmm. American Bitch, the dog magazine for women and their dogs. I mean, that's the way I always feel when we take uh, like a little break. And when I say break, it's been two weeks, but I'm like, ugh. So, so much has happened since we took off. And where do I begin? But it's true. And I always think of that. And I always usually like the... Uh, I prefer the Waiting for Guffman one, but I think we've used that before, uh, especially the Christopher Guest one. And, and I opened this little store, and um, this is my dinner with Andre action figures. And you can make your own scenes where you're like, oh, no, um, I would like to have dinner sometime. No, we don't have <laughs> I don't know. Let's face it, the guy's a genius. And uh, even though those movies aren't as good as they used to be, we still have the memories of the ones that were. So where to begin? Do we start at the top or do we start at the bottom? Okay, well, let let me start here by doing a little promotion. Unfortunately, you have missed last night's show, which would which included, you know, this was the national championship. I'm talking in the future, but yet in the past, which is odd. We're assuming everything went okay, and I would still have a job at the Comedy Cellar, but who knows? Uh, the, the people who are supposed to show up uh, are um, Marina Franklin, David Tell, Todd Barry, replacing Carmen Lynch, because she canceled, which, of course, infuriates me to no end, and uh, Danny, little Danny Natterman, myself, and then four newcomers. Oh, and Dave Landau from uh, the Great Kumia Network and uh, 
And then for newcomers, which would be Courtney Davis, who we've had on this podcast before, is friends with Olga. Um, this girl, Megan Ruth Friend, who I uh, know, you know, a little bit more. Uh, just, uh, you know, I've seen her once and she's okay. And then this Indian kid, uh, that's mean, but I, I just can't pronounce his name. I, I've asked him to pronounce it three times. I'm so bad at this. Aditya, Aditya, Aditya Shankar, <laughs> who I saw, you know, being from Edison, New Jersey, I should really know how to pronounce stuff better. Um, but I saw him perform at the Westside Comedy Club once. And, you know, I was like, I got these two people who, are just okay. I really need somebody who I've seen do really much better. So about this kid, and he's nice, he's Indian, you know, it's a little diverse then, and, uh, you know, how important that is. Oh, and Marina Franklin's on the show. Did I say that? Speaking of diverse, that makes me a dick, doesn't it? Um, uh, Well, listen, you know, everybody's just got to relax. Anyway, um, so, yeah, this kid, uh, and he seems okay, you know, everybody's doing two minutes, and then another two minutes, and then this girl I found... Uh, Rinovska, she's Russian, and I found her through Chris Murphy. And he said maybe you should think about using this girl. And I'm like, ah, not Russian, kind. you know, she does the, she's doing the Yakov Smirnov bit. She's like, but in my country, but you know, she's pretty and she's actually kind of funny. So I just saw a clip of hers, and I hadn't met her yet, and I saw a clip, and the clip was made me laugh out loud. So I'm like, perfect. You know, I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong. She, um, I don't know if she's going to do it or if she has done it last night, but she has a clip and she goes, she's wearing a tracksuit and she's like, people think of me as a Russian nesting doll, but that's ridiculous. And then she takes off the tracksuit and she has another tracksuit underneath. <laughs> that's, 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 that's funny stuff. Uh, so hopefully everything will go good and we'll all explain that next week since you've missed it. Um, but you can see, if you see this, if you're hearing this podcast on Tuesday when it is, um, obviously you can listen to it all week long, but it comes out on Tuesday. If you listen to it right away, if you're one of the uh, fine people that looks forward to the night fly uh, on Tuesday mornings, um, you get a cup of coffee, get in the car and listen to the Dave Juskow show. How are you, everybody? Good to see you. Harry Harrison with you. Um, then Thursday... Uh, March 12th at the Westside Comedy Club, you would be able to see me, Olga Namer, Elon Altman, so all of our friends, little Danny Natterman again, Carmen Lynch, who didn't cancel on this one. I wonder why. Oh, it's because the other person we have on the show is Sarah Silverman. So it's a pretty good show. Meanwhile, I am protecting Sarah. You know, I don't want any trouble. And of course, I put the flyer up with her name, which I had to do. You know, she might even cancel. Who knows? A tell could cancel. But what can I do? I got to sell tickets, especially during the coronavirus scare. So I got to take a chance. It's like a movie. If they don't show up, I don't know what happens. But I'm hoping for the best. I put it up once that Sarah's on the show and everybody went crazy. I mean, just like there's crazy people out then You know, I'm getting all these texts like, oh, can I be on the show? Can I come to you? And then like people who... You know, would never come like, well, <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, even people who are on the show and I'm like, yeah, I'm bringing my parents. This. I'm like, you know, you've been on my show three times. You never, I, I, I don't know. You know, they just want to come this time. But, but, but I know everybody wants to see Sarah. I get it. Um, I even told my niece to come home from college early so, you know, she can see Sarah and also, um, you know, get a job out here. 
Uh, anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, uh, yeah, so as you know, I've been working uh, with Judy Gold's kid, Henry. And I'm having difficulties with him because, you know, remember every time I told you, it's like every two, a week, three days, two days before the shows we do at the Westside Comedy Club, he's 23 years old, he'd always say, like, I'm quitting, I'm leaving Westside, I'm leaving. So finally, he quits, and on the last show, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be working there anymore. I'm like, fine. And then I said, he's like, you can just take over the show by yourself unless you want me to still work on it. But he's got a problem with the new Felicia Madison who now runs the room. And, you know, he's 23. He's been a little disrespectful to her, uh, you know, saying, you don't know what you're doing because this is what he does. You know, he's 23. I listen. I was the exact same way. So I'm not, not friendly with the kid. You know, I mean, it, I get it. I mean, I was with my mother a week ago, and she said, oh, who does that sound like? I'm like, shut up, Rhoda. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're absolutely right. Now, it does sound like me. I was like, they don't know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm the smartest person ever. I'm 23. So anyway, he moved to another comedy club. So, you know, I don't want him there on the show days, you know, because he's still sometimes working at the Westside Club as a waiter. It's weird. They just won't get rid of him. They're terrified of his mother, and you cannot blame anyone for that because I am expecting a call next week from Judy Gold. My theory is Henry called his mother, and I'm going to get the first call of my life without even having a kid from somebody's angry mother. <laughs> I'm definitely expecting this call. But the problem could because I I've told Henry please don't come to the show, I don't want any trouble. He doesn't get along with the manager there, and I don't want any trouble just because Sarah Silverman happens to be there and he wants to come, and he's just like yeah I want to take her out for a drink, and I'm like kid 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 come on, so please don't come. I don't want any trouble. I know he's going to show up anyway, but I'm asking him please don't come. I'm trying to protect Sarah. I'm trying to protect my friend. I don't want people there who make drama, because there could only be one of us, uh, and I don't want people who are going to be drunk. Uh, I was with the girl last night. I'll explain later. She's like, oh, I'm coming to the show on Thursday. I'm like, please don't come to the show Thursday. Like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just being brutally honest with everybody, and I don't care if it hurts me because i got to protect Sarah. This is not the seller. They don't have security there. i got to make sure everything is good for Sarah, you know, just trying to make everything cool. She's doing me a huge solid by being on the show, and uh, she's got a lot going on. So anyway, that's the story. So that's Thursday. You can still come. You can buy a ticket and come to the show if you'd like. Please be respectful. But I am not worried about my Nightfly listeners. Thank you. A little coffee action. Uh, so, yeah, I got um, really. I got to bed at 7 in the morning last night because of the time change, which I didn't know about, and um, said I got to tape the podcast right away when I get up and ready to go like at one o'clock because um, I am going out today to Peking Duck uh, on 53rd Street today, which everybody's like, are you out of your mind going to a Chinese restaurant? But I'm like, I don't care. I'm not going to catch that you know thing. And this is all ridiculous. I mean, it's not ridiculous, ridiculous, but we can't live in fear. And then, uh, you know, I'm not going to blame the Chinese people. Uh, so we're going to this place with people in my building, you know, and the, the, the DA and, uh, and the, you know, my lawyer friends and not from the old firm, but, uh, and we, you know, the Peking duck and they bring the duck, they cut it in front of you and put it in the, the, the oh, oh, it's going to be great. 
So I got reservations to go out to dinner tonight. So I'm very excited about it. But then I, you know, I got to do the podcast. I got to put it together. I got to get the stuff ready for tomorrow. It's all. And, you know, I'm like, well, where did the time go? Where did the time go? I have nothing to do all day. Meanwhile, the time leaves. And what happens is mostly, okay, here's what I'm going to do today. Here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do my tax. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then it gets dark. And then I'm like, well, that's enough. You know, I mean, well, it's dark. It's over. You know, working on the computer is over. I haven't done any writing. I haven't done anything. I've written some jokes. But, you know, me and my jokes aren't very good. Um, I thought of a new joke. I, I finally saw 1917. I think I told you last time with Elon. And, you know, it's one shot. You know, that's what the, the movie is like. Wow, it's, you know, one shot. I mean, obviously they did some editing tricks, but mostly like a lot of it's like maybe 15-minute shots. You know, that I'm saying to myself, you know, these people, like first of all, being an extra would be like the worst. You mess up because I could picture myself being, you know, an extra and they're just, I'm eating a hoagie. And they're like, well, cut, cut, cut. And they've already done 10 minutes in. And they're like, what? I thought my character would be, you know, eating. No. Uh, But it's even worse than that. What if I was one of the leads? I can barely memorize my lines. To memorize lines and then do movement is almost impossible. I kept thinking of myself and crashing when not only did I have to memorize the lines, but then they made me. And now you walk over to the cabinet, pick up a jar of peanut butter, and I'm like, we while I'm saying my lines are, you're saying just say the lines and then slowly walk over to the cabinet, right? I mean, no, no, no. You say it while you're walking. Let me see if I have this straight. What you're saying is I have to do both of those things at the same time. Okay. I think we're going to have a problem. But yeah, that's how difficult that was for me. And that's what one minute of screen time can't even imagine being in that i mean i guess it's like a play they must have rehearsed it and rehearsed it but still uh <laughs> you fuck that up and you're just not the lead Ooh, boy i don't i don't think i'd want to be part of a movie like oh, hey, would dave would i'm your agent would you like to be part of this movie it's all one long sh- no no i don't want any trouble i'm uh well i feel so good today i might get it right in the first take well you better because it's live live I haven't done a live performance in over 25 years. I had one line. I've got it. My favorite year. Anyway, my I know what's happening with my, uh, my it's not my throat. It's a, it's acid reflux. Um, doesn't hurt or anything, but I can feel the tickle, right? So normally the tickle would say you're getting sick, but I'm not. It's just that now my new insurance doesn't pay for my acid reflux medication. So goddamn. Uh, and this happens this time of the year when the weather changes. I'm supposed to have a nasal spray and these dexalent or something it's called. And it makes it go away. That's what my doctor gave me when I had a doctor. And now they say it does, the insurance will not pay for this prescription, which is kind of a disaster. I really got to look into that, you know. It doesn't hurt or anything. And I'm not even having trouble swallowing. Well, but I know that's what it is because otherwise if I had to tickle in the throat this long, I would have a fever. And I would have a sore throat. But none of that is happening. I feel fine. But I will tell you more about that later. Let me tell you, folks, what happened to me uh, last Wednesday. So last Wednesday, I went to Gilbert Gottfried's 65th birthday party. His wife, his lovely wife, I mean that with all respect, uh, Dara, her 50th birthday 
and their 300th podcast. I mean, I was so honored to be invited, but I think Dara considers me a friend now, and obviously, you know, I feel about Gilbert, and also, of course, Frank Santa Padre, and I've been friends with Frank longer than I've been friends with David Tell. I mean, you know, this guy, and again, you know, if you do listen to Gilbert's podcast, Frank Santa Padre is, um, um, I think we talked about it on with Richard Klein, he's a it's just a human machine of marvel miracle. And I went out and I bought everybody gifts. I got Gilbert a action figure of uh, Bella Lugosi in Dracula. But truly, the Bella Lugosi Dracula. That's what it said on the box. I got Frank a book of Groucho's time with Alice Cooper, <laughs> which he loved. And I got Dara used to work in this music industry. That's where I met her in the 90s. And I asked my friend Steve Klein, which of the bands that she used to work with? And I went to this store in Jersey and I got her this CD. And that, that, that was the worst gift that I got. But I just thought maybe it would bring back some happy memories or something. I was trying to get an album, you know, vinyl, which would have been better. But when she was working there in like 2000, like they just weren't making vinyl anymore. So it's like you either have to get vinyl from the 80s, early 90s or now. There's like you can't get vinyl from like the 2000, the early 2000s, late 90s. They just stopped making vinyl. But it's such a great gift. You know, even if you don't have a turntable, it's just like the gift, you know, because obviously you can listen to it on Spotify. Like our show, like the Nightfly, which appears now on Spotify. So I guess I think I'm done with SoundCloud, by the way. Uh, I don't think there's really any reason to be on it anymore. I just I don't know if I've lost listeners or people just think the show has stopped. But, you know, I'm on this thing called ACAST and they put out the Spotify and I'm still on iTunes and they finally changed the cover so it doesn't spread anymore. And um, Google Play, uh, I think iHeartRadio, I think, you know, it's on all the other platforms except for SoundCloud now. So it, it did make me uptight at first, but uh, it, it would, because of the free service, it's impossible to... I would have to delete all my other things, and I, I just, it's, uh, who cares, right? No no one, does anybody care? You, you can find me if you want me, right? I mean, being on Spotify is the way to go. So anyway, um, we're, it's at the Cutting Room, which is a beautiful place, and I, again, I can't believe I'm invited. The only problem I'm having is, uh, just make sure, just making sure it's recording. <laughs> you don't want to lose this podcast gold. <laughs> How are you? Uh, the only problem I have is that this is the one thing I had to do while my hair was in the 10-day gestate, gestation period. Uh, ge- Damn it. I'm so I'm so stupid. Well, you know what I mean. I don't know if I said the word right, but and that's not even the proper word for it anyway, but you know what I'm talking about in a, a way. So uh, as if um, when I'm in this uh, you know period of 10 days where I – Really prefer to wear a hat. There's scabs. There's it's gross. It's it's not that gross, but because you know my because really I look. I mean, right now it's been after that, and I look exactly the way I looked. You know, two weeks ago. Uh, you know, it takes. You know, we'll see in a year and a half. <laughs> it's, it's you know it's going to be stupid. Anyway, um, they took half of the staples out of my head on Monday a week a week ago, and. Boy, was that painful. And now I still got half of them. They're so painful. My jacket's always pressing on them. It's very difficult. Um, and then it'll all be over, you know, in oh, two weeks or so. But, ugh. you know, is it worth I can't complain about it because it's a vanity project. 
You can't really complain. I mean, I you know tell people about it, but I I can't really complain. Nobody can have sympathy for me. I mean, they're very nice to do so, but you know, if I was on the other end, I'm like, you wanted it done, dummy. You know, and for what reason? I don't even know anymore. But anyway, anyway. So this was the one event I had where I had to worry about my hair. I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't want to wear that baseball cap because the baseball cap also cuts into my staples in the back. So I'm like, I'm going to wear this hat. I'm going to try and put it on my website by the time you hear this. I'll figure it out by then. I think I can put pictures up now. Remember, that was the plan. What's the point of having DaveJustGow.com if you can't put up the photos that I'm talking about? So I'm going to try and put up this photo. And you'll see the hat I'm talking about. And uh, so I was just wearing this hat that I had at my house. Maybe you've seen it on Puppet Picks or something. And I'm like, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take a chance. So I went down to the doorman. He's like, Dave, you look terrific. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. You sure? You're not making fun of me? He's like, no, you look good. You're rocking that hat because he knew. I've been talking about it all the time. Uh, so anyway, I uh, turns out when I went to get coffee that day, I ran into this woman in my building, uh, Liz Hemkin, who is in the Friars Club or something. It's a little weirder but um she's like oh i'm going there too and i'm like you are and she goes yeah i'll drive you down there and i'm like well that'd be great because uh i was nervous my hat was gonna blow off and then uh my toupee so she was kind enough to uh drive me down there and she's kind of wealthy i think her dad left her a bunch of money so she's never had to work and um turns out she's friends with a lot of these comics and kind of important people I'm not sure why, because, I mean, she's very nice, but, um, you know, one of those people thinks she's very funny. Not that funny, but very nice. Very nice. And it was um, great to um, have her drive. But her driving was exactly like Elaine's in Seinfeld. I miss it so much. yelling at everybody on the road. She's like, yeah, I'm a really excellent driver. It was so funny. It was just like that episode. And I did trust her because she's been driving for so long in the city, but, you know, just one of those people that is never not making the passenger very comfortable. If you're, I, ironically, I'm a very patient. The one place I'm patient is actually in the car, and I'm very good, not a backseat driver in any way, and I'm very patient with my driving and parking, and for some reason that doesn't bother me. But, yeah, she's all over the place. She's taking the FDR drive, yelling at people like, look at this guy. Look at this guy. And then she's taking a phone call. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm driving. I'm like, like talk, you know, like not with the earphones or anything. I mean, it was terrifying. But she got a parking space right in front of the cutting room, like right in front, like like in the movies. And we walked right in. It was unbelievable. But I was like, I wish I had bought a date because I was kind of like by myself. They put me at a table like in the back and – uh uh, I really didn't have that many people to talk to. However, that all changed. Uh, but they gave me a table. I mean, she's so dare, so nice to me. She's like, "Yeah, you're gonna sit with Richard Kind's friend, you know, because Richard Kind was on the podcast. So it was uh, the pod, the podcast, or they were doing, 
or the show they were putting together was, uh, you know, Gilbert, obviously, Frank, and um, Mary Lou Henner, Richard Kind, Mario Cantone, who, eh, whatever. Uh, and then they, uh, you know, I guess had some guests. So, so anyway, Jeff came. Jeff flew. Jeff had flown in. I didn't know he was going to be there. He didn't know I was going to be there. And uh, it turned out that somebody's wife or something didn't come so I could sit at the celebrity table. So, so Jeff, Jeff and I sat. It was great. We got to sit together. And this was my table. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, I was standing at the table anyway, and then Dara's like, why don't you just sit here? Because you know everybody here. Uh, this will be better, you know, and uh, somebody didn't come, so you can sit here. So it's me and Jeff. You know, we're, the, we're the, each other's date. Uh, which I told you, remember, I would have gone to the, the Avengers birthday party with Paul Rudd if, uh, if Jeff didn't have that horrible girlfriend. <laughs> it was really nice. But, uh, you know, he sometimes he brings me as his date. So, and we're both wearing hats. Uh, so um, it's me and Susie Essman and her husband, uh, Alan's Y. Bell and his wife, who remember I was telling you about on the podcast the other day, and I had to talk to him, and I got to talk to him. I talked to him before I knew I was sitting with him, and I said, listen, I'm going to do a Larry, Sar- Larry Sanders podcast, and, he, and he's like, yeah, that needs to be done, and so, because we're going to need him, you know, because he used to write and produce it and the whole bunch of things, and, you know, he was on Saturday Night Live at the beginning when we did the Buck Henry thing, I was telling you, you know, that he was in the back, we were talking about him, and there he is. Never met him before. Uh, Paul Schaefer and his wife, <laughs> how about this table, right? It's so crazy. Uh, David Yazbek, who's writing the Princess Bride musical, who wrote Tootsie. So we were talking again. I'm like, I, you know, hey, hey whoa, what's happening? Hey, my boy, you know. He got up and sang a song, which was, uh, played the piano, which was great. You know, like when the Broadway guys get up and play. And uh, Tom Leopold, who, you no know, big deal, created Cheers. And we had a friend in common, so it was nice to meet him finally, um, which is uh, Tom Snyder from the Dr. Cat Show. And, and the worst part, Jackie Martling and his girlfriend. Ugh, I've just never liked that guy, especially after leaving the Howard Show. The, the complaining he's done since 1987. I even brought it up. I'm like, well, you don't remember performing with me at Foxes in Jersey City in 1988? What the fuck is your... I mean, I did give him shit, but I, not because he didn't remember, just because, uh, you know, I just said something. But that guy, I don't, I don't even know why he was at that table. For real. I mean, right? I shouldn't be at that table, but he shouldn't be at anybody's table. But uh, Frank went over to that table. That was the table and, you know, was like, hey, Gil, I'm in the audience. We have some celebrities here and went around to, you know, everybody. Uh, so I was just one of the wives that or husbands that wasn't, you know, it was like Susie Esmond talked. Of course, her husband didn't, you know. Meanwhile, Susie Esmond and her husband are lovely. Now, the weird part was the day before I emailed Susie and I said, you know, I don't know where you're living these days, but, you know, could you come on the podcast? Because... Um, well, I just, you know, want to have you on. I know you don't do comedy anymore, so could you do this? And she's like, yeah, I'll do it anytime. What day you want to do it? I'm like, well, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. And then I ran into her the day after. We, we didn't know each other was going to be at the thing. So that was perfect. And I mean, we really like each other. And I like her husband very much too. So that was, and it was sitting right next to them. And I mean, it was just absolutely perfect. She's so nice. And that's why she's going to make such a great podcast guest because you well, also, not believe, you know, when you're watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, it is happening right now, and it's been so great this season. I mean, she's so angry and nasty and ugly because because of her character. And then, in, you know, in the other world, she, it's so different. She's pretty and nice and 
so nice and polite that she, you know, probably one of the greatest actresses of our time, you know, I mean, for real. To be that nasty and mean and stuff, that's a really good acting job. And uh, was she telling me she got the part because Larry saw, oh, Larry saw her at a roast. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this. Uh, she told me it was the roast of somebody and Larry, Larry was there. And that's how he remembered and that's how he got her for the part. So again, you know, you never know who's going to show up and change your life around. I, I'm still waiting. <laughs> but how about that for a table? So then I got a picture. Uh, so then Agent 99 from Get Smart was there. So I got a picture with Barbara Feldon. And that's the picture that me, Jeff, and my hat, which I will put up online. And she looked amazing. And she's 87. I would never have guessed that unless I was doing the math in my head at the time that she must be. Because this is the, the show was on before I was born, I think. So... Jesus Christ, 87, when you see the picture, I'm going to put it up. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to talk to Lenny. I'll be like, how do I get this picture? Um, She looks amazing. I mean, amazing. There's no way you're not going to agree. Uh, I got to talk to Mary Lou Henner a little bit. She looks amazing, too. Jesus Christ, is she pretty and just fun and nice. But that's so obvious. Everybody knows that. I mean, all the stories she tells on talk shows and you know, the legendary Bob Costas one where she's like, um, you know, what's your best memory? It's like, you know, where were you and the man on the moon? She goes, oh, that was the, I lost my virginity that night. Uh, yeah, she, 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 she's a fun girl, you know, fun girl. And that's who you want on a show. Like, um, which is why, because I heard her on the podcast and they obviously were like, come back. Anyway, I'm on Gilbert's podcast. I don't know when it comes out. Uh, I don't know how they schedule, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's live. It, they tape it. It's serious, but I don't know if it's on the radio. Anyway, Sarah Silverman and myself, uh, I don't know when it comes out. And then they asked me to stay for a patron, which I think is the – that's the – people tell me I should go on that. To, you, you raise money for your podcast that way. That's how they make money on the podcast. Um, uh, they asked me to stay later. I might have the dates wrong, but whatever. They asked me to stay later. Uh, to do a like a a fan one for the patron fans to talk about Walter Matthau and somebody else. I can't remember who it was. I said, yeah, of course, duh. She's like, yeah, we'll let Sarah go, and then you can go. Of course, Sarah would probably be angry because then I'm not going to go with her, but I just like doing podcasts, and why wouldn't I want to just work with Frank and Gilbert again? So that's the big plan for that day. So, uh, you know, that'll be awesome. Uh, so anyway, after that night, and it was super fun, I was drinking, for some reason, I was drinking that rosé wine again, like I had had the Monday before with my friends across the street again, remember, across the street is the only place where I eat rosé, and I just wanted some wine, I don't know why, well, that's what I chose, oh, I know why, because wine and beer was free, because it's a Gilbert show, he's not going to give you top shelf liquor, so, uh, because <laughs> they were all free, because apparently he did pick up the tab, I guess, for the food and stuff, um, and Dara's like, Gilbert doesn't know yet. We're picking up the tab. So it was like, really funny. Anyway, I didn't know. Anyway, I thought it was just wine and beer. So I just had wine and like four or five glasses, have a good time. And then we went down to the cellar and I said to Jeff, I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to go to the cellar wearing this hat. And he's like, come on, come down. Cause I got to do the, uh, this week at the comedy cell. He's not performing, but they have, you know, scenes in the olive tree and whatever. So we went down and I got. An hour and a half of shit 
for wearing that hat. Uh, Michelle Wolf must have, I mean, I've never seen anybody so giddy about wanting to rank on somebody. She was drunk and she was like, hey, nice hat, asshole. You know, like, I mean, it was like, I don't even remember some of the quips, but I remember her smiling so like this, like I walked in, it was just like a wealth of material for her that she was going to have a good time with. And Keith Robinson was absolutely merciless. I don't know if you know him. He was like, Jessica, what time you do back at the dog track? With that? <laughs> it was really an hour and a half of just shit about my hat. Because, But that's what you get. That's on me. You walk into the comedy cellar for the first time wearing anything different. You know, if I ended up wearing a, a suit or a, a weird outfit, I mean, that's what you get. You come inside that you're going to get shit. I mean, that is the fun. And I'm very good at taking it which is why I think people enjoy when I'm there. <laughs> people really enjoy making fun of me. I, I, I make it very easy for everyone by being a complete tool. Uh, so then I sent the picture to Rachel Feinstein, and she goes, you know, and she had like a 100 things, but the, the ones I remember, she was like, yeah, you look like you just killed your wife, and you're now having like the time of your like an overpossessive wife, and now you're having the time of your life. And you're just waiting for the cops to pick you up, uh, even though you know he committed this murder. Like I'm like, thanks a lot, jerk off. <laughs> because it was like more like a spring hat, but it was also a stupid hat. It didn't really fit my head. I just don't. I don't wear hats. And Jeff was like, why don't you just come over to my house? I'll give you a hat. And I'm like, no, this is the last day I'm wearing a hat anyway. By Monday, I'm not gonna have to wear a hat anymore. So, so that's it. You know. Because I knew Monday would be the 10th day, get half the staples out, and that'll be that. Meanwhile, like I said, you know, it wasn't on, like, why are you wearing a hat? Because I just had hair transplants. I finally used it on stage yesterday. It didn't work very well. You know that joke? I was like, I tell you, he's like, well, I wanted it to look natural. I'm like, well, I wanted it to look like a toupee. But I really got nowhere to go after that, and people just don't care. And I don't know whether they believe me, so I guess I'll just cut that out for now. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a great night. That was a great night. I mean, I really had a great night that night. Got real, you know, drunk. Then went back to uh, you know the bar, hang out, and you know, came in with the hat. They gave me shit, nonstop shit there, and they're not even professionals. <laughs> and then I said to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Fiori's. And I'm going to get an entire pizza and treat myself to a cab home. I'm going to get a pizza pie. I'm going to get a whole pie. It's like 2 in the morning now. I'm going to get a whole pie. Look up. It said it's open till 4. I said it was like, you know, 150. I don't know what it was. And uh, I said, I'm going to get a pizza pie because that Gilbert thing started at 6.30. You know, because everybody's 80. Oh, and by the way, Paul Schaefer played It's Raining Men on the piano because he wrote that song. I'd forgotten that. He wrote the song and he said, my wife hates when I play this. She's like, don't you play anything else? He goes, but listen, the people want what they want. And it was true because it was awesome. <laughs> it was really funny. I forgot he wrote that song. So it was super fun. It sounds like a show tune. So uh, awesome time. Uh, but yeah, so then um, I went to get the pizza and it was raining and I went to get the pizza and the, the place was closed. And I called up Steve and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm finally, I was going to buy a whole pie, not just a slice. He's like, oh, yeah, we've been closing at one. Uh, I don't remember why. There was a reason. I think we ran out of sauce or something. I was so furious. I was so angry. 
He closed at one. Um, yeah, was that? The, I already told you about the seller Christmas party, right? I think so. Now I can't remember. Um, because yeah, right. That didn't come. Did that come after? I can't remember what days is what. So, well, whatever the case may be, because then I saw Steve there and he had, you know, he had given all the pies to the thing. I mean, listen, that Fiore's pizza is just the best, but they didn't have it. So I had to come home and I ordered a pie, you know, at two in the morning from another place, which was pretty delicious. My doorman always takes a slice before they come upstairs. I'm like, hey, there's a slice. Oh, right. I told me he could take a slice. I get confused every time. But it was pretty delicious. And I guess I just wanted to have a treat because I felt I deserved it. Going out, and then I'm like, good, here, got through that one thing I needed to get through with my ridiculous hair, and uh, now we can all move on. Now, I believe the Monday that I got the staples out, I got into a huge fight in my building with the one black guy that lives in the building. It was so fucked up. This guy comes in. I had no idea he lived in the building. I didn't know he lived here. <laughs> it's like that Seinfeld episode, but worse. He was wearing an orange hoodie, and he had this dog that I knew. And unfortunately, at that very same moment, the dog worker that I know from right downstairs at Biscuits and Bats was also in the elevator, so I really assumed they were together. And the dog was pouncing on me. And I'm like, you know, and I, I don't know. The guy wasn't apologizing. So I was like, hey, your dog attacked me. And the guy got, he's like, he did, what'd you say? Oh, you, you know, and then he's like, he saw my floor pressed and he goes, oh, you know what? I'm going to find you like that. He's like threatened me. So I called downstairs to the black doorman downstairs. I'm like, hey, that guy, this guy threatened me. He goes, oh, he's a tenant in the building. And I'm like, he is? What, he is? You know, like, I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, come on, you know, <laughs> No, 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 that's that's not possible. There's no black people on my side. I mean, it was pretty much saying that. And then when I found out he was a tenant, um, I mean, I was still angry, and he did threaten me. So I called down to see if this guy, hey, you know about this guy? Is he a troublemaker? Like, no, he's a nice guy. And I'm like, all right, I'll wait a day before I make a call. But meanwhile, I'm afraid to leave my apartment. Like, he's going to say something, you know, or something. I don't know. He, Knew where I lived, and he was threatening me because, you know, he threatened I was making fun of his dog. I'm like, listen, you take that devil dog out of here, uh, whatever. You know, we got into a, a, a battle of words. And he really did look like a troublemaker. So the next morning, I called the management. I feel like, an, you know, an idiot, but I'm like, listen, this guy, he threatened me. I mean, he threatened me, you know, so I was like, I had to call. I called downstairs. for. I called the nighttime guy, and I'm like, do you know anything about this guy? I really tried to wait the appropriate amount of time to find out if I was making a mistake. Like, no, this guy's a great guy. He's a great guy. You know, whatever. Um, but nobody really knew anything about him. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to call the management. I'm going to report because that's what they told me to do. Make a report. So I did. So on Tuesday, I think Beth and I went to Rhoda's. Oh, this is class. Okay, well, I'll tell you this in a second. Let me finish this story first. So we go to Rhoda's. I come back and I said, you know what? I'm going to go. And when I come back from Jersey, and I've told you this before, I'm like in total like, whew, I made it home, you know, so stressed. And again, I will get into this in a second. So stay tuned, folks. There's lots more to come. Although I'd fly. How are you? 
And now a commercial break. Do you get stressed? Um, I come back, I'm sitting, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to get some salads. That's what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. I'm going to try, now that I'm off the steroids, I don't need three meals a day. I'm just going to get salad. I'm going to go to the grocery store. Well, thank God I did. I go down to the grocery store about 7 o'clock, 7.30 on Tuesday. The black guy with the black dog is outside talking to the doorman. The doorman that knows the whole situation. But I wasn't positive it was him because now, because I'm so racist, he looks, uh, you know, he's put together, he's in like a suit and he's wearing his glasses so he doesn't look as threatening. So he's wearing the hoodie. <laughs> because, <laughs> fuck, what do you want me to do? This is the way the world works, right? It's like, what a, what a, what a, what a lovely looking guy. <laughs> Like so fucking stupid. So, but I know it's him. I, it's got to be him, right? I mean, I don't recognize him. I'm also bad at recognizing people anyway. But he's got the dog, and I just walk by, and I'm like, "Geez, this is the perfect opportunity to say something." And I'm like, no, "I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm not ready." And I walk by. I get my groceries. I come back. He's still out there with the dog, and I said, "All right, this is it. I got to apologize to this guy." So I, I said, "Hey, are you the guy who was on the elevator last night?" And you can see he was just like, "Yeah," and I'm like. Oh my God, I am so sorry. I apologize profusely. I, I I had no idea you lived in the building. I'm so sorry. Uh, I usually don't have any trouble with anybody. I've lived here 20, you know, I told him the whole story. He was very nice. We're now we're best friends. I invited him to the show. I said, listen, if you and your, you know, because I said, he's like, yeah, I talked to my fiance and she was like, I've never had any trouble with him before. And that was the funny thing is like, after I went to the doorman, I said, yeah, we made up. And he goes, thank God, you know, because, uh, you know, the super got involved and he was like, what are you talking about? That guy's really nice. They were talking about me. And I was like, oh, well, thank God. I just assumed they would be like, yeah, that guy complains about everybody. So that guy was getting all good. Like, I, I don't understand how you can have, are you sure you're talking about Dave Juskow? Because he's like one of the nicest guys in the building, which, uh, thank God, I really might have thought it was the opposite way. But um, I guess maybe your tips do count. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, I, uh, you know, I invited them to the shows. I'm like, if you want to come, you know, please do. And and the dog was still pouncing on me. He goes, well, it, it's that's all my fault, too. Well, he didn't really still apologize for you. He, what, you know, what dog owners don't understand is that sometimes – you don't like dog, and the, the, this dog had never. It's something about this guy. When his fiance is there, he never riles up. But I think he knows he's getting neutered. That's what the guy said, and so he was just like still pouncing, and he could see me backing away, and like he's still doing. It. He's like, now I'm sorry because I don't know. There's something about when the guy's holding him that he's protective. Where it's funny where the girl's holding him, he's like, eh, eh whatever you want to do, it is fine. I guess I don't know. Uh, maybe it was the girl's idea to get him neutered. I don't, or the other way around. I, I don't know what's happening, but yeah, that dog is, is a puppy, it's like seven months old, but he's like big. So I had no idea, and I didn't know the situation. And I've been making fun of that dog because it's got weird ears, and they keep taping them up to try and keep them up. It's like it's a very strange dog, but he also said it was a show dog. So uh, I don't know. Anyway, the point is, thank God we made up because it was bothering the shit out of me. Like, um, you know, just really like. Who wants to have a problem with somebody you, you might see on the elevator? You know, it was really bothering me. I know you guys think stuff like that doesn't bother me, but it does. And I was really getting bothered. So I, I was so happy we made up. And then, I, you know, again, um, whatever. I just, uh, oh, so, of course, uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, once I found out that he lived in the building. Because it really was just like, 
I'm the most racist person of all time. And again, he was with the dog. I even said, I said, like, I'm sorry. I think I thought you were the dog walker because you came in with that guy and, you know, you were wearing the hoodie. Maybe I was a little afraid. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think I was pretty honest with him. Uh, uh, And of course, I was just thinking of, and this is, you know, strange, of course, because it's in a different language, but I can see if you can guess what scene I'm talking about from Godfather 2. The rent stays like a before. He won't be back. He'll hide out in the Bronx. That's right. Uh, that's all I was thinking about was, oh, my God, what a misunderstanding. Of course, Senor Calambo can stay. <laughs> Even lower the rent to sink. <laughs> Ten dollars. Oh, 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 what a misunderstanding. I was a real tough guy in the elevator. And then, uh, in fact, uh, after he left the elevator, I said, oh, what a character. And uh, they might, the doorman would be like, yeah, he's been asking about you all over town. I mean, it really was the same situation. Oh, no, what a misunderstanding. <laughs> no, a guy, the black person lives in the building. You know, they were, <laughs> like, I had to get in the fight with the one black guy who lives in the building. Actually, Michelle is in a fight with the one black guy who lives on the other side. But um, that's all another story. So that maybe there's two. There's two. That's it. But I swear to God, <laughs> I've never seen this guy before in my life. I don't know. I guess he's been living here a year. I don't understand how I've never seen him. I've seen his fiance. I've seen the dog a hundred times. Never seen this guy. I think he works. Which, um, well, <laughs> let's not go there today, shall we? How are you, everybody? Hey. Mm. 
<laughs> so, okay, so, 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 buttons on Snowman. Tuesday, you ready for this? Are you ready for this, folks? <laughs> My sister has lost her mind. She has just lost her goddamn mind, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. It's over for her. She should just admit, I've lost my mind, I'm crazy, and that's that. Tuesday, we go to lunch with my mother, right? So now here's my plan. First, okay, so Billy, uh, my nephew's got a new show. Oh, thank the Lord. He's got a new show, a new high school play, Chicago. I've never seen Chicago. I don't care about Chicago. If I did give a shit about Chicago, I would have gotten to see it. I don't want to see it. And he doesn't have a big part. So he doesn't have the lead. Now, it's been very documentedly clear on this podcast where I can find the clips where my sister has made it abundantly clear in front of witnesses that I am not allowed to come to any more shows because I whine and complain and say they're stupid. And she goes, oh, no, no one wants to go to a show with you anymore. No one wants to go. And I said to Dora, I'm like, can you believe nobody? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't want to see a show with you. You You're banned from all shows. I'm like, thank you. Good. Good riddance. Thank God. If you remember correctly about... Two or two years ago, uh, my friend Vera and I went to go see the Smithereens before Pat Denunzio died, the lead singer. And then we got into a fight with that lady, and I was going to go egg her house. Remember the drummer's wife, that twat, uh, who was nothing but nasty. Uh, so the Smithereens are coming back, and Vera called me, and she goes, I'm, ah, I can't decide. I'm thinking of going. They put Marshall Crenshaw in from... Uh, as the lead singer and i'm like well that's not bad and and she's conflicted and of of course i mean marshall crenshaw wrote one of the greatest 80 songs ever and so if you're gonna get to see this movie you might also get to see him do this one which is a classic You know, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, well, that's a, I'd be good with that. But, uh, you know, Vera has a problem with it because she's like, I don't know how I feel. You know, I uh, slept with the lead singer and now he's dead and I'm not sure how I feel about it. But I was going to go to support her and that was this past Friday. This again coming out on Tuesday. Because my sister told me 
that Billy show was the Friday after. She's like, I got you a ticket. You can go for mine. And I'm like, I'm not going to go to that. She's, I don't have to go anymore. They made it very clear. I don't have to go. So we're at lunch with my mother. And I go, oh, no, no. I'm going to see uh, the Smithereens that day. And she goes, what? You're not going to see Billy in his last high school production? I mean, she, she the veins were popping out of her head. I'm like. Well, you told me I, I don't have to go, and you pretty much told me you don't even want me to go anymore. She's like, this is Billy's last show. I mean, it was like, I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I'll, I'm sorry, I'll cancel on my friend who I was giving emotional support show uh, for, you, you crazy uh, uh, theater mom, uh, a show bit mom, you know, whatever you call it. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, who gives a shit? I've seen Billy in every show. You know, I really don't care. He doesn't care. Nobody, well, maybe he does care. Maybe he does care, right? All right, so... That's a good reason for going, but he doesn't have the lead. Then my mother goes, and she Beth is still furious he's not the lead. I mean, if you've ever seen Gypsy, I mean, my sister has now turned in to Gypsy's mom. And 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 she's like, yeah, well, it's fucking bullshit. He doesn't have that lead because the lead, well, it's just, it's it's not a show for boys. You know, it's mostly the girls. Only, and and, and uh, he would have been perfect after Richard Gere. And then she's screaming, and my mother's like, well, he's really had his share of leash. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? I mean, she went crazy. And that's like the first time Rhoda got it right. Like, she didn't really say anything bad because the fact of the matter is he has gotten a lot of leads. You know how jealous I am every time I come on the podcast. I'm like, God damn, he's got another lead. So jealous how many leads he's had. I'm like, I'm sorry his last high school production. He didn't have a lead. Beth and I haven't even talked about it. I'm like, well, you know, Neil Glick, our old high school teacher, he used to spread it around. She's like, Where, why would you say that? Do you really think that happened to you? Or whatever. I'm like, Jesus Christ, got to relax. <laughs> if I got to tell somebody to relax, something's wrong with that person. So she's just going ballistic that Billy doesn't have a bigger part. Meanwhile, I saw the show. His part was terrific. He, he was great. I mean, yeah, it's not the biggest part. He's got his own number. He's got his own number. That's all you can ask for if you've had leads for four years in a row that you've had leads. The best thing you can ask for is your own musical number at least in the final show. And it's just so funny. I mean, it's just like he just – I didn't know he had his own number. I thought he was going to be in the chorus. Like in Mamma Mia, I think he just you know was in the chorus, and that, that was pretty good. Anyway, anyway, my God. So I had to cancel on my friend Vera. I felt horrible. She's like, I understand. You know, I'm like, it's my nephew. It's my it's the last show. And you know how I feel about going to these goddamn shows. And uh, meanwhile, this – it turns out the kid who directs the show now is, uh, you know, under 30-year-old gay kid uh, – he does good work. I mean, I saw Mama Mia, and it was really good. And it, this was very well done. It wasn't horrible. Uh, the lead girl, this girl Tara, who's, you know, very pretty. I've been attracted to her since she was 12. Sure. Am I saying that? Yes, it's disgusting, whatever. But I'm saying I've known her. We knew she was going to grow up hot. Her parents know. Everybody knows. So I, I was saying I was also could go. To, they're like, but Tara's in it. Tara's the lead. You know, so, so I got to go see also for my nephew's friends that he's grown up with, you know, like usually that's parents stuff. And a lot of the parents came out to see the parents that don't have kids in the play to see their other friends, like the way, and we talk about this on Lawrence Lerman's mother came to see me in the night. Yeah, Lawrence was already in college. They came to see me. So then me going to see Tyra meant a lot to her parents. And, um, well, even though Billy's in the show, I mean, you know, whatever. And you know, they're, 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 they're good people. Uh, meanwhile, that kid who I hate, and, you know, that kid who stayed over here that time, he was in it, too. He had a small part. 
Oh God, I didn't want to see that kid. I made sure I was out of the way. I was like, I can't, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to say to that kid. I hate that kid so much. And his parents were such, his parents are very nice, but his mother sucks because, so there was, there's one, as creepy as it's going to sound, well, nothing can sound creepier than the comment I just said about Tara. So, uh, but hey, listen, you know, I'm just trying to get my way through life. I'm, I might as well just do that now. Anyway, um, the, the, so the, the the mother of this kid who I hate, uh, you know, they come out. We go drinking afterwards because that's why Beth really wants me to come. You know, because um, you know it's like, but they're having the opening night cast cast party for the adults. You know, there's no cast party. Is so it they're having the opening night party for the adults? How are you not coming? Because I think I think she just likes when I'm there. She's like, oh, this is my brother. He's funny. They all they're like, is your brother coming? And usually that used to make her mad, but I think she likes it now. So. I'm fun, I guess. I'm a fun guy when I'm in a good mood only. Anyway, so sitting there, there's one teacher who's sitting in front of us. She's very pretty and she's single. She was Billy's third grade teacher, which means if Billy's 17 now, she could be age appropriate. And nobody's age appropriate. Nobody's age appropriate. But she at least must be in her mid 30s by now, right? She would have to be if she's Billy's third grade teacher, right? So I'm like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to her. You know, I'm gonna maybe I'll invite her to the show or something. And then this kid's mom comes up. I finally get her alone because she's talking to the director the whole time. And, uh, you know, I was talking to him. And I was talking to three of them, the, his, him and his sister and this girl. And then they finally leave. I got a chance to talk to her alone. And that kid that I hate, his mom comes in and immediately just starts cock blocking and talking. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I really hate this woman. I don't hate her, but I'm like, Jesus Christ, what an asshole. Because I hate her son. And now I hate her. I don't hate her. She's not horrible, but I'm just like, ugh, what the fuck? I mean, you know, you can't blame her. She's probably like, well, I don't think he's hitting on her. I mean, she's, well, why shouldn't I? I was told she was single. She's a school teacher. It's perfect for me. Uh, but it, within two minutes of speaking, you could see she wanted to have nothing to do with me. So that's fine. Uh, you know, when I finally did get stuck to her, but uh, <laughs> you can see by her expression, she's like, what the fuck is this guy talking to me for? So, you know, at least I, at least I could sometimes how can i misread those signs well those ones i don't think i could misread at all but um yeah so so the kid that stayed over here that i hate his mom is also a cock blocker i hate that whole family thank you so um so i see the show and the show's not horrible it's really not horrible. This kid puts on a good show. Meanwhile, this is the kid that put on that midsummer night's dream that's apparently the greatest high school show that's ever been performed the only one i missed the only one i missed and if everybody says it's great, and I still think they're pulling my leg, but I guess this guy's pretty good. This guy's a good director. He's going to maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe he's got a chance at, you know, making it past high school. Usually that never happens, but he's got a, I don't know. He, it was very well, you know me, I love making fun of it, but it was good. And again, you know, every time Beth had done a show with, with you know, fourth and fifth graders, I'm like, you know, I, I can't wait to see high school productions because I know they're going to be better, and they were. I mean, they really are. High school productions are really much better than junior high productions you know they're they're a little you know people can sing a little better they dance a little better so you know being a a theater snob it was certainly not the worst show i've ever seen and that girl tara was very good and billy was excellent he played it down he had the more serious role a little sad but uh i went and i did my my final duty as <laughs> duty as an uncle and uh, but the best part is I called Dory and Liza and told them the situation about um, 
you know, their mother telling me I'm banned from all shows and then screaming at me that I wasn't coming to this one. And they were like, what? But you're banned from the show. I'm like, I know. That's what makes it so funny. <laughs> so everybody's on board with uh, uh, Beth being a little crazy when it comes to Billy. Uh, and I, I guess I guess living through him. I guess really, truly being the stage mom she is cut out to be. Um, she's got to relax. She needs a hobby, and which she has, but uh, it doesn't seem to be making her relax. Boy, I mean, she really just gave it to me and my mom. Uh, I don't know what's going on. So, and you know, she's in a uh, she's in a play too, a new one. I'm probably gonna have to go to. When you think it's over, it's never over. But again, I've been told that I don't have to go. But then she's like, "You're not coming to my play. You know that's gonna happen again." I really try my best. I really do try my best. Meanwhile, I gave up a lot of stuff going on that Friday because I gave up being emotional support to my friend Vera, let alone that I could have gone to see a couple of the comics that were going to be performing on my show on Monday. That would have been helpful. Also, maybe if I could have done some spots, that would have been helpful, but I didn't have any spots that day. However, so I didn't have any spots scheduled, which is kind of bothering me because, you know, I'm performing in front of the festive crowd. Well, if the coronavirus doesn't affect the crowd, Oh, boy, what a fucking disaster that is, too. That's like when the rent laws uh, changed and I couldn't sell my apartment or something. I mean, just bad luck when Dave Juskow needs a sellout to survive financially. A virus comes around and, you know, it may affect the show. It may. Who knows? You you assume New Yorkers are just like, grow up. But that, that one fucking Jewish guy ruined it for everybody. This I, I'm telling you. This is exactly like the David Berkowitz thing that happened in 1977. One Jew ruined it for everybody. This guy, he's at the Yeshiva Academy, comes, he's a lawyer in Manhattan, he infected everybody, and you just you just don't want anybody that's a troublemaker to be Jewish because then the anti-Semitism comes out again. Again, I just point out in 1977, we're at that swim club we were going to, the worst place ever. They make the announcement. The son of Sam has been captured. His name is David Berkowitz. I'm going to an anti-Semitic junior high, and I say, oh, this is going to be a bad year. (laughs) And then they call me Berkowitz because my first name is David, and I'm Jewish for two fucking years. So this Jew, that's all they talk about. He, you know, he came into work. He was sick. And he spread this. You can look it up. I mean, it just he went to Grand Central, disinfecting every this one Jew ruined it for everyone. He's like uh, Eleanor Rosenberg's or whatever, whatever those people, Elia, the, the 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 ones that got uh, executed. <laughs> it's like you know, just you just don't want a troublemaker being Jewish because you you just you, the rest of us don't want the repercussions. We 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 just want to live in an attic very quietly, not make any noise. <laughs> Uh, which is why it's kind of funny. Like, why would we want to be comedians? Because that's uh, making a name for yourself. Like, uh, we really just want to sit in the shadows. So you really would thank God Louis C.K. is not Jewish. So let's just say. But the Harvey Weinstein thing is no help. That's no help. Anytime a Jew is in trouble, it's no help. Anyway, so, um, so <clears throat> yeah, I could have gone. So then, so, you know, we go out after. You always have a good time with Bethan or whoever, you know. And also uh, the, the, the Rossies were there. I like these the couple that sometimes they come to the city, whatever, and I like them. So, you know, we're drinking. And plus, you know, I like to drink a black and tan. I don't know if you know what that is. It's half Guinness, half bass, which I believe is the true black and tan. Half Guinness, 
half bass. I know that sounds probably disgusting to you, but I like it a lot. And I can go through a lot of them real quick. Because I don't like straight Guinness. I can't drink straight Guinness because it just sounds gross because it's got uh, – it's got uh, you, what you should like. It's got chocolate syrup. And I'm like, that's disgusting. But I can't drink a full Guinness by myself too strong. But you break it up, it's perfect. They use a spoon. It's like a whole to-do. That's why I always have to bartend. You, you have a problem doing that? He's like, no, not at all. But nobody sells bass anymore. I was talking to my brother-in-law. He goes, yeah, oh, bass blew it. They blew it because bass used to be well, both of our favorite beer. You used to get a six-pack back. You used to bring it to the tailgates. Bass was the beer. Bass was the amber beer that was perfect. I loved it, and they blew it. When all these microbreweries and amber beers came out, like they just blew it. They, I don't know what they did. They like pulled like a RC Cola, stopped advertising, thought they were okay, and then just blew it. They blew it. So no one has bass except this one place where I am on Sundays after the show at the New York Comedy Club uh, on 20, called McSwiggins. Uh, which, fight, which still has bass so I can get a, a decent black and tan there. But the other way to make it is called a half and half, and that is a Guinness with harp beer, which no one ever has except this one place in Jersey. So as soon as I saw the harp and the Guinness, I said, can you make me a half and half? And lady knew exactly what it was, and it was delicious. It was beautiful. So I was having a good time. I think I had two or three of those. I was feeling pretty buzzed. Having a good time. And then I'm like, well, now what do I do? Beth and Matt go home. They're like, oh, you can stay and get a ride home with the Rosen. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? There's, no, there's nobody really here left. Everybody's going to go home. It's Jersey. So I'm like, nah, I'll go home with you guys. Jerk off. So I figured I was going to stay in the city, traipse around Jersey the next day because it'll be a nice day. And, you know, make some bets. And uh, do it. I didn't have to see Rhoda because she was busy doing stuff. You know, as long as she's busy, she's like, but I don't even hear from her. <laughs> what a two-faced con. Oh, my God. <laughs> Call my mother. That's hard. <laughs> hey, that's for the podcast lovers. Um, <laughs> you're not going to see any podcasts that do that kind of stuff. That's why you love it, right? So um, so I'm like, ah, I'm so I get a text from Olga, and she says, hey, the owner, James called, he goes, if you want to come by tomorrow, he can give you some spots. I didn't even tell him, you know, what I had going on. And I'm like, boy, that would be great. That'd be great. That's a great idea. Let's do that. I need spots. I haven't performed in a month, the hair and everything, and I got two huge shows coming up next week, and I haven't done any spots to prepare. And even though that's not that horrible for me because I tend to do well after not performing for a while, uh, I still want to do it, and it's very helpful. So I said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go home now. Maybe it was like, you know, it, maybe it was uh, it was 1 o'clock their time. But, uh, you know, for me, I, I was wide awake. And I was nervous about sleeping on their couch because of the staples, you know, because I'm not I'm having trouble sleeping. So I was thinking about leaving at 4 or 5 in the morning anyway, even though. Because first of all, I said to Beth, I'm like, hey, are we going to go to the diner tomorrow? She's like, nah, I don't want to go to the diner. We don't eat breakfast anymore. And I'm like, that's like the one reason I like to stay. We're going to go to the diner more. I mean, that's she knows that I like that. So now you're saying, not only am I coming to your kid's play, which, by the way, takes everything I got out of me, you know, getting out of the city. It's so difficult. I, three o'clock in the afternoon, it was raining. It's a, you know, the drive is so horrific. It's so difficult. It seems like the least you could do is like, well, if David's coming to the play, I think we could go out for uh, the diner. But no, no. Good luck. Do you want a blanket? And I'm like, no, I think I'm leaving. Jerk. Can't just fucking go to the diner with me. I came out to see your stupid son on a plate. Can't go to the diner for two seconds. Screw you. It doesn't bother me that much. 
I kind of knew the answer was going to be no, but it still pisses me off. And her kids weren't around. Dory would have gone with me probably, but um, whatever, whatever, right? Anyway, I got a, it's a better deal for me to leave then and park near my house. And I said, I'll drive us to Long Island. And she goes, are you sure you want to drive? Because, you know, we'll be drinking. And I'm like, no, no, I'll, I'll figure it out. Because a lot of times, you know, we get real drunk there. And we take an Uber home. But I'm like, no, no, we'll drive tomorrow. It'll be beautiful because I don't want to take the train. I get the car out. It's all good. I just got it serviced. I'm feeling good about going to Long Island. So I go home. And I stop by White Castle. Wasn't really hungry, but I just, you know, eating was, it's, it's, it's entertaining. So I stop by the White Castle. I have White Castle. Why wouldn't I? Stop at a rest stop, make some bets for the next day, which was a horrible plan because, you know, you shouldn't. I was just doing it because I'm like, well, I'm not going to be in Jersey now. And I'm, oh, it's a, I have a problem. Uh, anyway, and then I get, then I head home and I park on the street and it's beautiful. And then uh, the next day at five o'clock, we leave and we go to Long Island and I do two spots. It's wonderful. But here's what also. But here's what happened, and this is so weird. This is so weird. So uh, the headliner is Brian Scott McFadden, who's terrific. I can't believe I've never used him on my show. I've known him for years, but I've never used him as one of the Dave Juskow regulars. You know, like with Marina and, and Natterman and all those people. You know, but I now from now on, wow, he was amazing last night. So uh, they had an MC. I was going to do a spot, and then Olga was going to feature for twenty minutes. And then Brian Mc, Scott McFadden goes on two shows, 7 and 9.30. 7 and 9.30, saying it because very important. Now, when I'm at the place, you know, I'm, I mean, I really like James a lot, the owner there. And he seems to like me, and that couldn't make me happier. You know, we're, we're the same age. We know comedy the same way. Um, you know, the only difference with him is that he's in Long Island, so sometimes – you know, he's a little behind <laughs> in the, the, the comedy way, but that also makes him extra funny. Uh, but uh, he's such a terrific guy. I mean, like really a fun – I mean, there's no way we – we'd probably be friends even if he didn't own a club. You know, he's just a fun guy. He likes to drink. He likes to hang out. He's, he's funny. Um, it's great. And that he likes me, again, it makes me so happy. He loves Olga. Olga's the queen of governors, as we've talked about before. So, and also what happened was we had a, a situation, Olga and I were talking, and she's at this other place called Stand Up New York. They were they were asking her to do stuff, and this guy, but when guys have plans for Olga, sometimes there's questions of what they're actually want from her. And this guy kept saying, hey, we should make a plan for you, we should make a plan, the owner of Stand Up New York. And then he would never, and then he wouldn't put her on. You know, he, he wasn't giving her spots. And I'm like, this sounds suspicious. Well, what is this guy, Harvey Weinstein? You know, I think at least Harvey Weinstein did give the actresses that blew him some, we were talking about this last time, some movie role. Why isn't he giving you spots if he thinks you're so great? This makes me, you know, question the entire situation and you're a little naive when it comes to male attention. So, um, so then because of Sarah being on the show at the West Side Club, he does the thing that I hate the most of all, which I've been getting. And, you know, I'm saying to Olga, welcome to the club. And he texts Olga on her way to Long Island, not with me, uh, the Thursday, and saying, hey, can you give me Sarah Silverman's uh, email? Or can you um, – we're doing a female empowerment show. Can you get her to be on it? And Olga doesn't know Sarah at all, ever. 
Never met her. She's only on the show with it. Do you believe this guy? He's doing the classic thing that everybody does to Dave Juskow. Hey, um, I got this new club. It's going to be unbelievable. Packed every night. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be the newest, hottest club in town. Can you get me David Tell's email address? I'd really like to use him. You know, classic thing when you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be a great opportunity. Oh, can you get me David Tell? Can you get me Sarah Silva? So I'm like, oh, my God, I hate this guy. First of all, Sarah Silva would hate anybody saying we're doing a female empowerment thing, right? Because the whole basis, you don't want to call it a female empowerment thing. You just want to call it a show. Uh, I remember when I was opening for Sarah, she goes, hey, don't say it's all females. I'm like, oh, that's so funny. I was thinking, I'm like, that's the one thing I'm not going to say. Because that's that's like just stupid. It's a show. I have mostly girls, women on my show on Thursday, and that's just a coincidence. I didn't do it on purpose. It's just like, here's the show. It's not a female empowerment show. It's a goddamn show. Anyway, if it's a female empowerment show, and he goes, I have some openings. I'm doing three shows, and I have an opening for her. Why don't you have an opening for Olga? So this guy's a creep and a half. I make Olga call James for me in the car, and I'm screaming to James about this douchebag and his his plans for her. And I think that's why he was like, tell Dave to come out Saturday. I want to talk to him. You know, because... Like, I was like, I was, I was just furious, you know, because we take care of Olga. And because uh, James, I mean, James, I mean, at least, you know, whatever his early intentions were, because, you know, people are fascinated with Olga. I mean, he's giving her so many spots. He's letting her headline. I mean, he believes in her. And that's the funny thing. None of this would be even a thing if she wasn't funny. And last night, I mean, she killed it last night. She did 20 minutes. She killed. But. There are definitely people that just don't like her upon meeting her. I mean, it's you know, I mean, I have that thing too. But I mean, with her, I've never seen anything like it. People either really like her or they just hate her. Women, she gives off. We were talking about this yesterday. She gives off something that women either just they, they get jealous. That's probably what it is. I mean, it's really messed up. I've seen it, and I hear it, and uh, I feel bad for it. It's really weird, and uh, but she killed it last night. You know, whatever. Anyway. So we're at the show. We do the 7 o'clock show, and Brian sets the greatest guy. So the MC goes, and he messes up uh, this kid. He's a fucking moron. He's like, yeah, so Olga's going to go on. Then you're going to go on. I'm like, are you sure? I always open for Olga. That doesn't make any sense that the owner would want that to happen. And he's like, yeah, yeah, this is the way it is. And, of course, he was absolutely wrong, and they had to pass him a note on stage before he put Olga up. <laughs> it was so stupid. Like. This kid's a moron. How does he not know? How does he not know? Olga's the queen of governors. How do you not know? Olga goes on before the headline. Olga does whatever she wants at governors. Olga is the Dave Juskow from the uh, Catch a Rising Star days. You know what I'm saying? Nobody messes with Olga. This is just the way it is at governors. So anyway, when I'm at governors, I do whatever I'm told. You know, this, this, this is the way. It's so funny, the women in my life. And it's I, I'm such a, a weird, interesting person because you would think, you know, you hear all these stories that make women cry, think that I did to poor Donna. And, and, and then there's the other stories where I am a complete kept man with these women in my life, my sister. You know, as much as I get her angry, I do whatever she tells me to do. Uh, you know, Sarah, same thing. Rachel. Same thing. Yeah, I get them angry. I get them upset. But the fact of the matter is I also do what I'm told you know, a lot of the times. I don't want any trouble. 
which is kind of funny if you think about it. It really doesn't make any sense. So anyway, whatever she wants to do, whatever, you know, especially if she's the headliner and I'm opening for her, of course, I'm doing whatever she says. That is the rule anyway. But so we do the show and James has three clubs. He's got the governors, he's got the brokerage and he's got McGuire's and they're all Long Island. And he's supposed to go to McGuire's to see somebody at one of it. You know, he just travels around Long Island all night going to his clubs and he goes, hey, uh, I'll go, D- Dave, we're going to McGuire's. We'll be back for the second show. And uh, I go to Brian. I'm like, uh, I, I, I got to do this. He understands. The owner just told me I have to go to McGuire's with him in a car ride. He goes, yeah, you know, get something from the bar and we'll just drive. I mean, he wasn't driving. You know, he had a driver. So we were able to drink. And, of course, you know, I didn't have a drink before. Because, you know, he, you know, he always like, get a drink, get a drink. And I'm like, no, no, not before, before. But this time I was, and this time I said, you know, because I was driving, I was just, just stick to beer. No weed. Can't drive on that. Stick to the beer. Space map. So I have a beer in the car and we're driving. It's 45 fucking minutes away. I thought it was a half hour away. It's 45 minutes away. And remember, what time is it now? Eight? We need to be back by 9.30. It's 45 minutes away. We're at this McGuire's place. I don't know why we're there. I really don't know why we're there. James is just keeping us there. And there's no reason for me to panic. I'm with the owner of the club. If I wasn't with the owner, I'm like, why am I still here? I need to be on in 20 minutes. But so then it becomes 9.30, 9.20. And Olga's just like, what's, I, I don't know what's going on. You know, and Olga's featuring. And this poor Brian McFadden is waiting. He's like, well, when, when's the show starting? But, you know, the owner's like, yeah, the show'll start when I get there, which, you know, kind of got to respect too. But it's making me uncomfortable. I feel bad for Brian and, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm getting a little uptight. Even though there's really no reason to get uptight. If I'm with the owner, you know, what am I, what am I going to do? There's, you know, I'm not going to rush him to get back, but I'll get him have a relationship. And I'll like, come on, James. And he's like, no, I got to talk to somebody, you know, whatever. He's just not in a rush. He doesn't care. So the show starts about 45 minutes late. Oh, I felt horrible for Brian. He's just hanging. He's like, Brian doesn't care. He's got his headphones on. It's funny. I walked in. He's got his headphones on. He doesn't care. And I go, but, you know, it just kind of makes me look like a douche and all, you know, because because the feature just comes in, has he doesn't know, but it looks like Olga, like, you know, when I come in, the show will start when you know, he's the headliner. Now, there were absolutely no repercussions through the audience or anything like that. It was just like one of those things where like, oh, my God, it's not a half hour away. It's 40 minutes away. Oh, my God. You know, panicked. So uh, everything went off because Brian's such a pro. He was able to add it. The audience was fine. Meanwhile, they were, had been seated for an hour waiting for the show. So I was like, geez, I shouldn't go on. I should, you know, we should shut it up or Olga should cut her time. But nobody did. It's not my call. And uh, I went on. It did fine again. Tried to kind of rush through because I just felt bad. Olga went on, killed it. And Brian went on. And then we sat in the back and watched. I watched him. And he just, he, wow. He's great. Brian Scott McFadden, folks. If you get to see him for a 45-minute show, if he's in your town, I don't think he travels that much, you got to see him. He's so good. He's such a pro. You know what I always tell you? When you're watching a professional perform like that, you know, I see so many amateurs, and I'm not like that. You see him command the room. Boy, is he terrific. So then since I was done, I'm like, now's drinking time. A little bit. And nacho time. Yes. So excited. So I had nachos. 
and uh, like a Heineken. I was very happy at that point that the night was over in that sense. And then, uh, you know, I was driving home, but I felt completely sober because I had eaten and everything and just stuck to beer. I didn't have that many beers. And I felt good to drive somebody home, which is all good. And she was like, yeah, she was so wasted. And she's like, you don't know, you know, she's a millennial. She doesn't understand how it works. And I said, listen, then take an Uber home. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. But but then, you know, in the ride, she's like, but you're a really good driver. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I promise you I wouldn't have taken it in the car with me if I thought otherwise. And it's funny because she's like talking and talking about, you know, comedy. And I'm really trying to concentrate. Not concentrate because I'm drunk or any other way. I'm trying to concentrate. I don't know where I am. So I'm also looking at the GPS. And it's very complicated to get from Long Island to her house. She lives in like the West Village. I know how to get to my house. It's just like kind of one shot. But, you know, like I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like trying to concentrate. She's like, and here's another thing. And she's putting her phone in my face. And you know what she does when she's been drinking. Like, and look at this. And I'm like, please don't put the phone in my face while I'm driving. <laughs> But it's funny. Then she goes, "Hey, my friend Kate is at a Saturday is going to Saturday Live tonight. Let's go to the Saturday Live party." And I'm like, "Well, goddamn, James Bond is the host. Okay, I just really want to go home." But geez, I mean, come on, if Daniel Craig, if I, if there's any way and chance that I can hang out with Daniel Craig, I'm going to go. But she wasn't at the party. But uh, she was kind of hanging out around where I was dropping off Olga, this beautiful girl, Kate. I don't know her last name, but um, her Instagram handle is uh, Scotch the Cat, I think. So you can see how pretty she is. She's a model. So, of course, she was in Saturday Night Live. Took her father as a birthday gift. And uh, anyway, we we're going to meet her at this bar. I met her before through Sherrod, and she's been doing comedy. In fact, I probably would have put her on the show if I had met her before, you know, for the contest. But... um yeah, we. but I, I remember I had a stomachache, and I'm like, well, you know what? Let's just go to the bar, and I'll meet her. And I'm glad I did because, um, you know, she was fun. I wasn't that fun. I kind of had it, I guess. Um, and uh, she was with this guy who's running for, like, a congressional spot in Iowa. He was a really nice guy. I think his name was J.D. or something else. And uh, it's very fun. Then I was talking to him about running for Manhattan for president. So then I you know, kind of was like, I, I just had a feeling. It was one of those nights like if I didn't go, I was going to actually miss out on something. There's something about this girl. She seems to know everybody. You, you probably want to meet her for a second. So then I was just so happy I was home. Drinking was great. You know, so happy to be back in the city. And I then, you know, the time change. It was 5 o'clock in the morning already. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I'm like, let me just put my car in the garage and end this. And I drove, I'll go home, and then I put the car in the garage. And I'm like, you know, i got to get up and do the podcast, all that kind of stuff. But still, a fun night. Yeah. I don't know, but something was bothering I guess it was just bothering me because I know I have these two shows, and I feel like they're not ready, but they are ready. I got the trophy on Friday. That's what I also did Friday before I went to see Billy. I went all the way down to this trophy shop. I got the trophy. It was raining. Everything got wet. It was horrible. I got the trophy. I also got the, a little basketball net for them to cut down the winter. This will all have happened yesterday. And then I got the show on Thursday. I guess I'm a little very uptight about this upcoming week, which is funny when you have nothing going on for a month and then you got two things going on one week. Plus, I don't have a show in April. You know, I always have it. First of all, they haven't given me the show in April to sell it yet, but I don't have the show the second week in April because um, 
It's Passover, goddammit. So now with this momentum I'm going to be riding from this one show, now i got to cancel the show because it's stupid Passover. I'm so upset, but I can't do a show on the second Seder. Well, who's going to come on the Upper West Side? Are you doing a show on Passover on the Upper West Side when your clientele is the Upper West Side? It's not going to work anyway. I'll have to wait till May. Meanwhile, I'm thinking about going out to L.A. because uh, they're going to do Bumping Mics 2 at the Comedy Store. So I'm like, I'll come out, guys, you know, and I'm like, that'll be great. But then I found out it's also like a comedy festival. It's Netflix is a joke comedy festival. And then I'm like, oh, maybe that'll make me feel like a bag of shit. So I don't know whether to go or not. Let me tell you about what happened on Wednesday. I know we're running out of time, but I had all this stuff to tell you. And it's just, it's kind of awesome. So on Wednesday, I was, uh, I had this big plan again. And you know how I stressed myself out. That I was going to meet this girl, Renoska, a Russian girl. I was going to be on the show, and I wanted to meet her before I – I just want to meet somebody before they're going to be on my show. And she works at a bar in, like, Bushwick, Brooklyn, you know, a place you don't want to go. And it turns out <clears throat> Lee invited me to the Nets game. So I'm like, you know what I'll do? I'll go out to the bar in Brooklyn. I'll see her for a little bit, then I'll go to the Nets game. Perfect. So then I decide – I'm looking at the subways. I'm like, these subways are horrible. I'm actually going to get my car. I'm going to drive to Bushwick. And I'm going to park my car at the Nets game. Think about this. In Brooklyn at the Barclays, I'm going to find a place. Like I'm going to get a parking garage. I'm not going to fool around. And then I'm going to drive Lee home as like a little thank you so much for, you know, letting me come to the Nets game for free. So I'm completely stressed out. I'm like, I'm going to leave at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The game's at 730. I'm going to see this girl. She starts work at 4. I'm going to leave at 3, but I'm stressing myself out, clearly. You know, because I'm going to get my car from the garage. Then I gotta go backwards to Brooklyn. Then I gotta find parking in the net. I mean, the parking was all set, but you know, I'm like nerve. I'm, 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 this, this is what makes me stressed. So I'm walking down to the garage, and I start to sweat like I have a fever. And obviously, I think I have the coronavirus. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm sick. I'm gonna get myself sick next week. I'm gonna get myself sick. But then I think about it. It's like I'm wearing my winter coat, and it's 60 degrees. That's probably why I'm sweating. I have to relax, and I need to do this. I'm probably dehydrated. I'll get a couple of Gatorades. So I got a couple of Gatorades, and I was also using the bottles because, you know, I want to stick to beer uh, because that's, you know, I won't get as wasted. Uh, but I want to get bottles because I might have to pee in them because I don't know what the traffic's going to be like. <laughs> so stupid. So anyway, I ended up going to Bushwick. There's no traffic or anything. I get there. Um, this girl's nothing but delightful. It's Renoska. Really nice. She's not, you know, she is Russian, but she doesn't have the accent. So she's doing a character, which I like. And we really hit it off. She was the manager of the bar so she could sit with me for a while. And uh, we had a really good time, did a couple of shots. Really had a nice time. She's very nice. And uh, I think she's going to do really good on the show because she seems to get it. You know, she's not one of those crazy girls that's like, here's what I'm thinking about my comedy career. You know, like that kind of stuff. So it was cool. And then I left. I was having such a good time. I, was probably, I left around 7. Game starts at 7.30, but I knew Lee was going to be late. And I already had a parking garage planned, so I just planned it there. And, it, I mean, it, it, it really worked like clockwork. I got myself into a frenzy for nothing. I had totally forgotten that I thought I had the coronavirus hours before. I was feeling good. Went to the parking garage. Got into the game. Nothing could have been smoother. We left the game, drove home. I mean, it really worked like clockwork. It was terrific. Um, but it was still so funny because now anybody, and I'm sure we're all feeling the same way, anytime you get – you, you cough once or you sneeze, you're like, oh, my God, I have the coronavirus. How can you not think that way? We're, I mean, they're making us feel 
this is definitely the way we're feeling. I mean, we definitely all have it. You know, it's horrible. But there's definitely, like I said, I'm going to a Chinese restaurant tonight. I don't care. Um, before we go, that idiot Nick Willenda walked across the volcano like we talked about two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, did his, he's walking across the volcano. And he's like, oh, his wife and kids are waiting. And look, look at this asshole. This is like that uh, crocodile guy who died, left his children as, you know, orphans. Well, not orphans, but, uh, you know, his wife's still alive. And, uh, well, I mean, listen, you want to make a living like that again, you got to do what you got to do, right? So in that sense, you're okay. But again, with the Jesus shit, he didn't do it as much this time, but, you know, I got a couple of clips. I'm reciting chapters of my new book in my head as I walk. Well, it uh, doesn't exactly keep your mind on task, so maybe you want to just focus. Overcoming fear. I'm writing chapters as I walk, I think. Hallelujah. Inside of me. Praise you, Jesus. The gas moving under me. That'll mess with you. Yeah, it'll distract you. Middle of the storm. Louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar. Death is defeated. My king is alive. I'm just assuming these are some sort of, uh, I don't know, church shit. I mean, at least when he said chapters, I thought he was going to start reading the Bible, but he was talking just about his book for promotion. But, oh, bless you, Jesus. Bless you for me putting a, a wire over an active volcano and walking over. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't that bother you guys? Or is it just me? Should you really be thanking Jesus for being a complete douchebag and taking your life into your own hands? Is that really a Jesus move? Uh I don't know why it bothers me so much. Maybe I should relax. I don't know. Listen, if it doesn't bother you guys, it doesn't bother me, but it does bother shit in me. Here's the last thing. I'm very close. Well, start. I have a best friend from high school named Chris Donahue, and he listens to the podcast all the time, and we've been friends for 40 years, more at this point, who knows. And you're not going to believe this. This is the greatest thing of all time. His son... Just got a caddy scholarship. I am not joking. I shit you not. He got a. I'm not kidding. It was a real thing. He got a caddy scholarship. Oh, I. I know how hard it is for young people today, and I want to help. Well, just ask my grandson Spaulding. He and I are regular pals. 
Are you my pal, Mr. Scholarship Winner? Yes, sir. I'm your pal. <laughs> How about a fresca? Yeah, that's exactly what happened to uh, my friend Chris's kid. Uh, they uh, asked him. They told him he was a scholarship winner, and then they offered him a fresca. I think that's the protocol for when you win a caddy scholarship to college. I, I mean, who even knew it was a thing? And there's nothing funnier than that because, for for a fact, Chris Donahue's favorite actor is Bill Murray. So Caddyshack was his comedy bible, as it is all of ours who listen to the podcast. But <laughs> I mean, this would the only thing. Better for Chris's son to win a caddy scholarship would be for me to win my son to win a caddy scholarship because people would think for sure, get out of here. So I thought for sure he was joking. That's a th- wait, that's a real thing, <laughs> and it's a big thing. Like you know, it's hard to get. I don't think you have to win a golf tournament to get it, but uh, you know you do have to have uh, good grade. Well, I think if you uh, what's, what's the other thing, Jeffy Chase? I think if your grades are good and uh, you know whatever, uh, <laughs> it's just so funny. It's like the greatest thing that's ever happened because uh, you know that's real. <laughs> it's great. I'm really happy for him. The kid's thrilled, you know, and he's a good kid and. His parents are the are the greatest, and uh, they they would talk about good parents. Boy, they got both their kids are doing really well. My sister should take a lesson. <laughs> How are you, everybody? <laughs> that's what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about? What's up? Oh, that signals the end of our very long show today. We had a lot to say, didn't we? So, uh, if you listen to the show, you come out Thursday to the West Side Comedy Club. Uh, I don't think i have any other gigs i'm putting out just yet uh hopefully by next week i will have more to tell you and more updates and things like that but we were away for two weeks and uh, although it seems like nothing happened it looks like a lot happened so i had a lot to talk about i can't think that i missed anything because we talked for almost two hours so uh well an hour and a half something whatever it is which uh is quite a feat if you are doing a podcast alone by yourself in front of a microphone that you think really goes out to nobody until you get the calls the next day. Why did you talk about me on your own? I mean, yeah, I know my sister listens every week, so. <laughs> but she loves it. <laughs> Who's she kidding? Nice try. You love every minute of it. Yeah, you little minx. Anyway, I hope everybody just has such a great week. Let's get March underway in a really good way. Clearly, everything's coming up just now this week. And, uh... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I had something with uh, those Rachel Red. Okay, yeah, there's nothing to tell you. So, um, oh, I know what I just wanted to say before I go is that uh, Mike Sodder would probably be mad. The Mike, the great Mike Sodder, made all those intros for us uh, for the 250th and everything, and works at uh, uh, the Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, damn it, I should know the call letters so I can promote it. But uh, YPG, I want to say something like that. Ah, damn it. Um, but. Um, but when I was talking about Marshall Crenshaw, you know, he's probably mad. Like, but he's done like 10,000 other talks. You only know that one? Like, I thought he'd be mad at me. You know, like, he, well, he probably was saying that. But uh, anyway, sorry about that, Mike. But uh, <laughs> that's the only one I know. Uh, and I would have liked to have actually heard it live. So who are we kidding? Anyway, I hope everybody has a great week. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, the 2020 edition of The Nightfly. And I will see everybody next week again as we enjoy the clips the podcasting and the stories which make up the Nightfly. 
Good night, everybody. I'll see you next time.